Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, would you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9, picking up today in verse 30. And from there they went out and began to go through Galilee. Now, Jesus was unwilling for anyone to know about it. He's like, shh, mum's the word. And, and he was teaching his disciples as he went, it says, verse 31. He said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered up into the hands of men. They will kill him, and when he's been killed, he will rise again three days later. Now, it says, but they did not understand this statement. And they were afraid to ask him. What didn't they understand? That the, the part he said, I'm going to be killed? They understood what being killed is like. That you'd be delivered up to men and men would do evil to you? They, they knew that. What part of the statement do you think they didn't get? That rising again thing. That he would three days later rise again. But notice this. They didn't understand the statement. This is really ironic. They were afraid to ask. Why would you be afraid to ask Jesus what he meant? What makes other people afraid to ask? I know in class the kids would tell me, what you just said it, pride. They don't want to look like they don't know. But they did understand the part about he was going to be killed. Because look what happens next. It says, as they went on to Capernaum, when he was in the house, he began to question them. He said, what were you guys discussing along the way? Now, were they discussing the statement rising from the dead? No. The very thing that kept them their pride from asking what it meant also would be borne out in what they were talking about. What did, when Jesus said, I'm going to die, what were they talking about as they were walking? They're going to take out the boss. So who's going to, which one of us is going to take over? Which one of us is the greatest? That's what they said. Well, I know I read ahead here. It says right here, they kept, but they kept silent. It says, for on the way they had discussed with one another which one of them was the greatest. And sitting down, Jesus, he called the 12. He said to them, if anyone wants to be first, you want to be first in the kingdom of God? What do you have to do? Be last of all and the servant of all. Now sitting down, it says he took a child and he stood him in the midst of them and taking him in his arms. Can you just see this picture? Jesus taking this child in his arms. And he says to them, he says, whoever receives one child like this in my name is receiving me. And whoever receives me, well, he's, he's not receiving me, but he's receiving him who sent me. Who sent Jesus? God, right? You, you you receive Jesus, you're receiving God in your life. Jesus says, that's what you receive. Now, he said to these guys, they, they didn't, I mean, they're all arguing which one's the best, which one's the greatest. And Jesus says, excuse me, stop this. We, we got to talk about how to really be great. And he goes on, verse 38, John said to him, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to hinder him. Because he was not following us. <laughs> yeah, there's some more pride. Yeah, that guy wasn't with us. So he was casting demons out in your name, but he wasn't really part of our group. I've seen churches do this, by the way. 
you know, oh, those other guys over there, they, they, they're not with us, but, you know, they're casting out. What was Jesus's response? They weren't with the apostles, so they're not really, they're, they're class B Christians or C or down the, I don't care. Some of them won't even put them in the alphabet. They're like, not even, they're not in our group at all. They're nothing. But Jesus, listen to what Jesus said. Verse 30, he said, don't, don't hinder him. For there is no one who shall perform a miracle in my name and be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is for us. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because, you, because of your name as a follower of Christ, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. And whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and he be cast into the sea. Now, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than having two hands and go into hell, into an unquenchable fire, where the worm does not die and the fire does not quenched. And he says, and if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than having two feet and be cast into hell. And then he says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. By the way, there's just a quote here. Some verses don't, some translations don't put that quote in, but in the original manuscript, it's, uh, it's, it's there. It says, and if your eye causes you to stumble, cast it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom with one eye than to have two eyes and be cast into hell. How, how important are these body parts you know, in this spiritual, I'm talking eternal perspective, you know, because we, do, this seems really harsh, doesn't it to you? I mean, does anyone think this is a little weird? Your, 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 your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Better not to stumble then, or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. Jesus is really graphic. He gets like in your face, like, hey, no, by the way, did Jesus ever talk about hell much? Do you know that? Of all of the prophets and all of Moses and the law, all the things written in the Old Testament, that Jesus talked about hell more than any of them? You can add all the verses of the prophets together, and Jesus has more verses about hell than all of them. And some people tell me, Pastor, just like I mentioned during our communion, don't talk about the blood, that's gory. And don't talk about hell, that's distasteful. We don't, we don't want to mention that anymore. I'm like, what do I have left to work with? I mean, seriously, did Jesus mention hell? No, he said that hell in Matthew, in the end of Matthew, he said hell was not made for man. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, the angels that rebelled with the devil. Guys, we were never made for hell. We can't do hell. And Jesus, knowing that, is trying to give a really stern warning about it's better that you take away a part of your body than that you would go to hell. If it causes you to stumble, now some people say, well, what's the big deal if, if something get, you know, somebody gets stumbled by, by my actions or, or I stumble? No big deal. Jesus says it's a pretty big deal because he describes in hell, verse 48, where the worms do not die and the fire is not quenched. Now that's a nice picture. What are the worms eating? Why does he say there's worms that don't die and and they can handle flame, I guess, because their fire's there? What are they nomming on, do you think? 
I mean, Jesus gives like really graphic. I think about it. Oh, he says, but everyone, he says, for everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if the salt becomes unsalty, with what will you make it salty again? Therefore, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Now, why does he end with be at peace with one another? What were, do you think those guys weren't at peace? The apostles? Obviously not. See, when it, some people say to me, how do you figure out what these verses are about? You know, I always say, read in the context. If you, you can't just pluck a verse out of the Bible and say, oh, look, I found a verse. And let it stand on its own. If you want to know what it really means, I always tell people for spiritual 2020 vision, read 20 verses before all the way through that up to that verse and then 20 verses after so that you get it in the perspective of what was being presented. What was Jesus telling these guys? You guys, we can't lose our saltiness. Salt is there as a um, preservative, right? It was to, to keep the meat so it wouldn't grow the bacteria so it would last, it would preserve it. He says, you guys are made to be a preservative to help pr preserve people. And were they at peace? Obviously not. If he had to say to them, be at peace with one another, they weren't at peace. Why? Well, we know what they were arguing about, right? Which one of them is the greatest? And Jesus is saying, he's not about which one's the greatest. If you want to be greatest, you got to be the servant of all. Now, that the children, when, when they wanted to get to Jesus, the disciples were like, hey, he's very important. Don't, don't bother the teacher. You know, don't bother the rabbi. But what was Jesus rebuked him? Stop that. Don't, don't hinder the children from coming to me. Do you think Jesus loves the children? Jesus did never, he never pushed away the child. That's why I love the Lord when, when I see him, how he, how he takes even a child. Now he says, you're not even allowed to stumble a child. But see, their pride was blinding them. They were actually stumbling the children, causing them to not be able to get close to the Lord by saying, no, no, don't bother the Lord. Get away, get away. And Jesus says, don't do that. It would be better if you got a millstone and made it into a necklace and you went swimming in the deepest part of the ocean. Who here has seen a millstone? How big are they? Like sometimes six feet across and like three, four feet thick. Now these things weigh a couple thousand pounds. Jesus says, it better to get one of those, make it into a nice necklace and go swimming. He says, and you got to go, now you got to go to the depths. Now, fortunately in, in Kona here, we have really deep water short from shore. So you're not going to have to swim too far with this stone. Now, what's going to happen if you swim with a necklace like that? You're going to drown. He says, the feeling of you going down to the depths of the ocean, being drugged by that necklace is better than if you stumble a little child. How, how serious is Jesus about the children? Pretty serious. But see, I noticed that he's, who's he talking to right here? Who did he call to himself to have this chat with? The apostles. He's talking to what, what we'd say in church circles. He's preaching to the choir. He's talking to the followers, his followers. Guys, we are not to stumble the little ones. And it is so serious, it would be better for you to make an, a millstone necklace and go swim in the deepest part of the ocean. And the feeling of that thing dragging you to the depths of the sea 
is better than what awaits you if you stumble a child. Does he care about the kids? Yes. What would make us not care about kids? What would, you know, dissuade us or get us off track? Is real, what, what got them off track? Who were they thinking about? Themselves. Well, I'm the greatest. Well, I can just hear the conversation. We don't have it recorded for us, so I'm just, I'm just supposing it went something like, well, I've been with him the longest, or I was the one who walked on the water. The more you read this book, you find out these guys were real human, and they had some egos. And their egos sometimes made them even, even step on the little ones. Spiritually speaking, I mean, they, they like really didn't care too much about them and stepped right over them. And we're the only ones that matter. And we, we saw a guy who was casting out demons in your name, Lord, but he wasn't with, with who? With us. Yeah, we're the important ones. Guys, anytime, anytime I have found out in the gospel that we think we're the important one, trouble is close behind. You know, when we, when we think it's, all about us. We get ourselves into real pickles sometimes. Jesus is, no. We have to become like children to re really receive the things of the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you tell a kid, I got a gift for you, what do they do? Got a present here. Man, they just stick their, oh, okay. They'll just stick their hands out. I'll take it. You know, you reach in your pocket. I got something for you, kids. They don't go, what's the catch? What do you want? What do I have to do for it? They just go, okay. If you reach in and you pull out a candy and you go, I have something for you, they go, snatch. They'll take it right out of your hand before you can even finish. You, you be mid-sentence. I got this. They just take freely. Now, when God says, I have a gift for you, I want to give you grace and mercy and forgiveness, a gift. Unless we be like children, when you say to a kid, God wants to give you his grace and his mercy, his love, his forgiveness. Do you know what they do? They go, okay, I'll take that. But you tell adults this. They look at you like, hmm. I wonder when they're going to start asking for money. Or what's the catch? What do they want? And it makes really hard, really, it truly makes it hard for me as a pastor to preach the purity of what the gospel is. When, because, and by the way, I have to tell you truthfully, most of the disservice has happened in American Christianity. The American Christianity has become kind of tainted with with almost a worldly influence of, you know, it's not, they tie everything to material things. And Jesus never had a fun drive. He never put a thermometer on the wall, you know, and said, this is our goal. We're going to raise this much money and we only have this much red in the very bottom of the bulb. So give until it hurts. And I've heard all sorts of pleas of how these guys, they, did you know that there's these guys that will go around from church to church and they tell the pastors, we will increase your giving. We will teach you the techniques of how to lean on those sheep and 
fleece them for every last piece of wool. No, they don't say it like that. That's me telling you what I think they're doing. They, they're, they're horrible. They go and they just, and they say, and just for a small percentage, we will teach you how to get more money. We will show you how to do a pledge drive and how to get, we'll, we'll help you print up the cards for a small fee. And I just look at it and shake my head, I think. Did Jesus ever have a fundraiser? Did he ever pass the hat? Can anyone think of any story ever? I've got a lot of you that have been Christians here a while. Anything come to mind? Where he, oh, he, he did, he did, when, when the crowd was hungry, he did accept the kid's lunch. But what did he do with the lunch? You think the kid got more than he came with? Well, the whole crowd did. I mean, they, they fed 5,000 from that kid's lunch, and they picked up 12 baskets full when they were done. And, and I'm sure the Lord went, here you go, son. Thanks for your lunch, you know, little interest. He's going, whoa. He handed one of, by the way, those baskets were the harvest baskets, the cornucopia, the one that you hang over the shoulder, you put the sheaves in. They're like six feet long, big sagging thing. Can you imagine 12 baskets? of fragments left over, and the Lord going, hey, give the kid some, some of his lunch back. You know, the kid's go, wow. But Jesus never, he never took an offering. He never, he just, in fact, he told his disciples when he sent them out on the first time by, by two by two, he said, don't take anything with you. Remember that? Don't take a money bag. Don't take an extra tunic. Don't take an extra sandals. Just Take your, your, no extra, you get your staff, you go for a walk. Would this be a walk of faith? Like, where am I sleeping tonight? Or how is God going to help me out? And if God is guiding you to do something, Chuck Smith used to say this all the time to us, where God guides, God provides. Don't, don't let provision be the thing that makes your decision makes you decide whether you can go one way or another let god be the one that guides you and if there isn't provision and he says go do it let me assure you if he tells you to do something you just do it and he has ways ways we don't even i i just mar i just think lord you are so marvelous you're so the psalmist said it right you are great and greatly to be praised and i want to encourage you with that today the Lord is great. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't let it keep you from, you know, sometimes we won't receive because of our own pride. Someone's offering you a gift and you're like, no, 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 I could, I could never do that. Why could you never do that? Who taught you that? Anyone ever learned this line besides me? I could never, no, no, I could never take that. And someone's going, no, I want to give it to you. No, no, no. And inwardly, you really want the thing. Stupid, quit being prideful. But seriously, don't be so like these apostles. They were, they were, they were blind by pride, and the and the Lord's go. But I want to give you something special. And they're like, no, no, I could never, I could never. That's the dumbest line I've ever heard. If the Lord is having someone give it to you, you know what? You might have to swallow your pride. I had to learn to do this. I had to go, Lord, I have to swallow my pride and accept what you have. And out of it, I got a beautiful, beautiful little girl. And then a son, and then another daughter, and then another daughter. 
and the Lord has been faithful every time. I think the Lord is really a cool God. We just got to stay humble. Now, he has shown thee, O man, what is good. Micah 6, 8. And what does the Lord require of thee? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Yeah.